All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick, Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order using promo code GOJO15. Awesome show queued up here on a football Monday. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us the five-star rating. Check us out live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern right here on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Roku, all the good places, tell a friend, bring a friend we got a ton to get to today uh the call heard around the world and the kansas city chiefs <laughs> lost to the buffalo bills a banger of a game involving the los angeles rams and the baltimore ravens but dad last night you had a good one yourself i knew it was good when coming on air chris collinsworth just starts to chuckle with glee during the first drive of the game there's no analysis he's just thrilled to be in the presence of a rivalry that you lived as a player and got to call last night for westwood one in eagles cowboys and it lived up to every bit of it yeah, it did. I mean, and just getting ready for that game, Eagles-Cowboys, when I was in Philadelphia, I mean, it was Cowboy Week. It was just a different week where the hitting got a little more intense during the week and everything was just a little more intense because, 
you're not really going to fool anybody in this game when it's a division opponent and these two teams know each other so well. As I mentioned over and over in the broadcast, it's about all the one-on-one situations, swing passes, uh, one-on-one, receiver against DB, one-on-one, who wins that battle, uh, running back coming through the line, safety coming up right at the line of scrimmage, who wins that battle, who wins the battles on the O&D line. That's what uh, every game comes down to that, but really in the division games, that's really what it comes down to because these teams know each other so well, and and, and right now, Dallas is is right at the top of the league. I mean, the way they're playing since they lost to Philadelphia in week nine, they're now five and oh, been scoring over 40 points a game, having almost 450 yards a game. They have been absolutely on fire. Oh, by the way, the defense is pretty good as well. Uh, so it it was impressive to watch with Philadelphia. Listen, the top three teams in the NFC is we're going to talk about is San Francisco, Dallas, and Philly. It seems like two have the arrow going up and one has the arrow going down. Yeah, it is a a, a very, very uh, unfun time in the city of brotherly love right now. I'd imagine the call-in lines today on local radio are going to be jam-packed. But uh, speaking of jam-packed, we're excited. Uh, We don't usually get a ton of guests around here on Monday, but we get to welcome in a pretty darn good one today, former NFL All-Pro and current member of the TNF on Prime broadcast team, Richard Sherman, hanging out with us now. Uh, Sherman, we appreciate the time this morning, man. We were just talking about that Philly-Dallas rivalry. I feel like for you, and people I think associate a lot of that stuff with like the pre-free agency NFL the bad blood and a lot of those rivalries you were inside the NFC West for a long time as a part of a great one there did it still in your mind have that same sort of hate between both sides that we used to see uh I think there were probably individual matchups that had the hate and had the animosity um more than more than the teams necessarily you know what I mean I I think at the end of the day you go out there and um you try to execute. I'm sure you feel the, but T guys aren't there usually long enough to really appreciate these rivalries. I mean, in this one, I, I would say guys have been there long enough. You got to talk about Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham have been there for for ten plus years. It seems like um, uh, Jason Kelsey the same way. So I'm sure Lane Johnson, those guys appreciate the rivalry and appreciate the intensity of it for sure. And also, talk about how the kind of the difference when it's a division opponent and especially the second game that year where it can be less about game plan because everybody knows each other's game plan and what they do and really more about those individual performances. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point um, because that's exactly what it is. You know, you've played each other for years, you know, tendencies, you know, what guys like, you know, their favorite moves. If you're, if you're an offensive lineman, if you're a pass rusher, you know how they set. So then it's about the details. It's about intensity. It's about, it's about grit. It's about, Who's going to outwork each other during the game? Who's going to want it longer, long enough? Who's going to, who's going to break first? And I think uh, clearly yesterday, uh, Dallas had their number. Dallas had them from the beginning to the end. So Dallas dominates that game. We've now seen two games in a row where the Eagles have faced off against the other NFC elite and come up woefully short. Richard, how concerned are you about this Philadelphia Eagles team and their ability to kind of pull out of this? Yeah, I would be very concerned. I mean, they they had beaten some really good teams throughout early season that don't look as good of wins anymore. You know, I mean, you you talk about Miami and and what they've done. Sometimes they show up. Usually they don't in these scenarios. Um, uh, They beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who who have taken some bad losses the last two weeks, who've lost um, two of their last four, lost lost two of six. I mean, only won two of the last six games. Um, But – 
yeah, this is this kind of Philadelphia team has, has to be self-reflective because they haven't played well in the last two weeks, and these teams look clearly better than them um, in the last two weeks. And you don't know if it's fatigue or just lack of execution. And going forward, they kind of went through their gauntlet. The the Dallas Cowboys have that coming up with the Bills and with Miami, where Philly finishes with the Seahawks, the Giants twice, and the Cardinals once. So certainly winnable games. But I don't know about the the way they're playing. Richard and calling the game last night, it, it feels to me that Jalen Hurts' knee is bothering him. I saw him bailing out of throws a little bit without the pressure right on him. I saw him run one time where sometimes when he can get some extra yards, he just slid instead. It seems like when he is aggressive, how good that team is, but it seems like he is favoring that knee a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, there was a there was a play where he slid and they landed on him, yep. where he kind of grimaced, um, where it looked like you know maybe something was bothering him for sure. And after that point, um, he was doing everything you said. But I think Dallas felt that. I think Dan Quinn felt that. And they started bringing those zero pressures. And I had never seen him retreat and respond the way he did in this game to the zero pressures. Like, it, it looked like he, he wasn't aware. They didn't have a plan for it. Uh, he missed – I think he missed two throws on it. And one, he hit to Devontae Smith, but he had to slow down. And Stephon Gilmore tackles him immediately. Right. So it just looked like – looked like I mean, you, you may be right that, that maybe it's the knee um, – that has him second-guessing himself out there. So for Dallas on the other side, they seem to have really turned it on ever since that loss in the last game that they played against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm curious, Richard, between that and what you saw from the 49ers yesterday in a division game against the Seahawks, do you feel like Dallas has closed the gap at all there, or is there still a big shelf between the 49ers and the other two top NFC teams? It's hard to for, for me to say they've closed the gap, you know, just – just looking at how that, I mean, how San Francisco handled Philly last week, um, made it look easy. Uh, after not doing anything in the first quarter, they had negative six yards in the first quarter, then ran off 450 yards um, or 400 or so yards after that. I mean, it just seems like they're a class above them and Philly, uh, Dallas and Philly at this point. And until they get on the field and Dallas gets an opportunity to show them that they're, they're, it's an even playing field or they're at the same level. I can't see it any other way. You know, you, you look at that NFC and it's San Francisco, Dallas and Philly and really a drop off after that. And quite honestly, at this point, it's probably San Francisco and Dallas. Uh, and Philly has to play a little catch up here. How about in the AFC? Do you think anybody is separating themselves in the AFC? No, no. That's what's that's what's concerning about the AFC, because it looks like anybody can win it. I mean, before C.J. Stroud and them just got trounced by the New York Jets, I would have said they were a dangerous team that could pretty much upset just about anybody in that conference. Uh, but right now, I don't feel like there's anybody you can trust. Do you? I mean, I, I can't nope. imagine you trusting Baltimore after the dog fights they've been in and the games they've, they've lost. Um, it's hard to trust Miami without beating a plus 500 opponent. It's hard to trust Kansas City, you know, without any offensive weapons outside of Travis Kelsey. So speaking of Kansas City, I, I do want to get to that game. We all saw the end game sequence there. Kadarius Tony called for the offsides on a play that ended in a spectacular touchdown from Travis Kelsey. Sherm, you've been on the other side of a lot of this. You've seen the mechanics receivers go through pregame. Pre Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes both voiced a lot of their concerns that we'll get to in a little bit here. But from the way you saw it on that play, was that the right call in that moment? Should a ref be making that call? 
No question. No question. And he's standing past the ball, <laughs> past the line of scrimmage and looking directly at the ball. I mean, this is this is Pop Warner day one stuff. It, the receiver corner mechanisms, you, you're lo- usually looking down at the ref. You're pointing because the corners, we're trying to get as close as we possibly can in press coverage. So we're checking with the ref. Hey, am I over the ball? Am I over the ball? Am I good? And they'll give you a thumbs up. Hey, you're good. You're good. Or they'll tell you, hey, back up, back up. You're past the ball. But if you don't check with them, and I don't know if Kadarius Tony did. I cannot say he did. There has been a, a, an instance this season where where uh, Terry McLaurin checked with the referee. The referee gave him the thumbs up, and then two seconds later threw the flag. So let's, huh. let's not get crazy. It could, it could happen like that. But I, it did not look like he checked with the ref because the ref would have probably told him to back up. Yeah, it, 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 he didn't. And the ref after the game said, normally we do give a warning, but he was so, it was so egregious of how offside he was that we didn't. Our, and again, as Mike said, you've been out there in this. Are you, are you owed that by the ref if you ask him? Does he have to? Have you been in situations where the ref doesn't oh, yeah. answer you? Yeah, uh, I, I have not been in a situation where he hasn't answered me where I've given him enough time. Sometimes it's 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 happening too fast, and he's he's panicking or he's dealing with something in his belt or something, and he hasn't answered me, but he hasn't thrown a flag on me either. So, but they don't. That's what the weird thing about offenses, man, in this league, they always want every advantage. Just like you want to be all sides now and then get a warning. <laughs> so said, haven't we given you enough? My goodness. <laughs> You get every call. You got every rule in your favor. Now you said, hey, don't call the flag when I'm offside. Just <laughs> warn me, brother. <laughs> so true. So you, you mentioned the lack of like a clear leader in the AFC. Does that make you feel any better about betting on the Chiefs long term here? Are we at the point in the season where this is just who they are and expecting different out of Kansas City would be foolish on our part? How are you feeling about the Chiefs right now? I'm feeling that way. I feel like if you expect anything different than what they've put on tape for this season, then you're, you're being foolish. Um, they haven't shown any consistency at, at wide receiver. They have one of the highest drop rates in the National Football League. Um, besides that, I think they might have the highest. It's them and Dallas battling for the most drop pass in the National Football League right now. But outside of Travis Kelsey, there's nobody that you say you could depend on and that you can viably um, – Say, hey, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, third down, if Travis is shut down, this is who I'm going to. You can't you can't say that confidently in any capacity. So I can't believe. And this defense has been playing really well. And they, they played pretty solid in this game. They held Buffalo 20 points. But the game before, they got kind of they got kind of moved around. They got bullied a little bit. Green Bay had their way. Jordan Love had his way with this defense. So, no, I can't even trust Kansas City right now. Yeah, it had been Rasheed Rice had been that receiver for a while, and then Pacheco was there, and then Pacheco was out in that game. So I'm with you, and we've talked about that. They haven't had that go-to person. Is it? Do you think, you know, we've talked about this during the season a lot, that offense, defenses seem to be doing better than offenses. Now, at one point a few weeks ago, we had hit the number 50 of the amount of different starting quarterbacks we've had for the year. So is that playing in your mind a big role into why the offensive seem to be uh, behind the defenses a bit still? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a part of it. What is there, seven starting quarterbacks, six, seven starting quarterbacks out right now? But it's just... The quality of football, the quality of execution isn't there. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, the refs are getting too involved in these games. Um, defenses are adjusting. Defenses are getting better. They're getting faster. They're getting more intense. People are getting their D-line stronger. That's why you see guys getting to the quarterback. Um, 
because that at the end of the day, that's the only thing you can affect is you can pressure the quarterback. And so defenses are bringing different looks. Um, and 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 Kansas City's uh, in Kansas City's situation, usually their offense is way ahead of their defense, and their defense usually doesn't catch up till around the AFC Championship or Super Bowl. Then they they usually play really well and they go on to win those games. But um, I, I I honestly can't explain this kind of disparity this late in the season because it usually evens out by now. We've seen so many backup quarterbacks in your right, but one place where we've seen the starter uh, play and start to play even better as of late is the Denver Broncos here, Richard, a guy you know very well, and Russell Wilson had a couple of big-time throws yesterday. Have you been surprised about this kind of surge that we've seen? It seems like they've gone back to a lot of the things that made him successful when he was playing with you in the Legion of Boom. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's surprising because their defense gave up 70 points in that game, so you would have thought this is a bad defense and they're going to continue to play bad, but they turned it around right after that game, and they've been a top-five defense statistically in just about every category since that game. And, I mean, you look at them holding the Chargers to seven points. You look at them, uh, what they did to the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago, what they've did, done in these consecutive games during this streak. They've played like one of the best defenses in the National Football League, and that's after trading away Randy Gregory and some, some really good players and getting rid of pretty good players. So it just seems like Maybe Vance Joseph and, and Sean Payton and Russell Wilson have found a rhythm to this team, and, and it looks really cool for I mean, it's, they were starting off 1-5, and five and now they're one game beyond Kansas City for the division. Yeah, it's, it's definitely getting tight there. Jets get a big win over the Texans. C.J. Stroud gets knocked out with a concussion. Zach Wilson played really well, but is this now going to continue the Aaron Rodgers talk coming back, which we thought maybe was put away? Do we, do we think that resurfaces again? And do you actually think that's something that could happen? I highly doubt it could happen. I can't imagine it happening, but it, it's only got, what, 14 more days for them to determine it because uh, they opened the window. And if they don't determine it in the next 14 days, it's definitely not happening. But um, Zach Wilson played, honestly, maybe his best game as a pro yesterday. I mean, out of nowhere, you know, after with all the rumors that he was reluctant to come back, he goes out there and puts his best foot forward and helps his team win in a big way. Do, do, does everybody wish it happened sooner? I'm sure. But uh, it was really cool to see them respond the way they did, to see the defense continue to play the way they have. Um, but I just don't know if Aaron's coming back. I mean, it just wouldn't make sense in this situation. Even if they're in the playoffs, it would just be like, hey, maybe Zach Wilson is playing with his hair on fire. Let's kick up. Um, and if he's not, then they won't be in that situation. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, a lot up in the air on that one, but it does go back to the point that with all the backup quarterbacks that we've seen make their way in, including Zach Wilson again, it seems inevitable the league's going to try to change a rule this offseason to make sure that doesn't happen, and that rule is going to negatively affect defensive players once again. So we need to all brace for impact on that. Get ready to go because, like Richard said, offensive players can never have enough when it comes to some help on that side of the ball. Richard, we appreciate the time on a Monday morning, man. Thanks so much. Hope you guys have a great uh, trip this week. Uh, Thursday night football, the Chargers at the Raiders this week should be a, a real spicy one considering the situation Brandon Staley and the Chargers are in right now. Right, right, right. If they don't win that one, I mean, I would imagine there's some movement, but who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, who knows? Thanks, Richard. We appreciate the time, man. Thanks, man. Thank, thank you, guys. Have a great day. Uh, yeah, Dad, it's uh, it's gonna get real, uh, real uncomfortable there. But I, I guess finishing up, Dad, where we started, back where you were here, you were you're in uh, Dallas still after that game. We talked about it some with Richard. 
where it seems like these teams are right now. Do you think Philly can fix this? Did you see anything wow. in that game last night that actually felt hopeful relative to maybe the 49ers loss from a week ago? Well, what they need to do is get that running game going again. And I thought early on they were giving it a shot and, and trying to get it going. They ended up having over 100 yards. They ended up a little under five yards to carry. But then the game started getting away from them where they had to go away from it. Week before against San Francisco, they only had 46 yards rushing in that one. And, and, and I do think it's a lot of this, not only on the defense, but offensively with Jalen, you know, as Richard talked about, that was a fourth down play he talked about to Devontae Smith yeah. uh, that floated. Some of his passes on crossing routes, and when you're running crossing routes, the idea of that is to get the ball there, the receiver's running, hit him in stride so they can get yards after the catch. And on more than a few of those, and I know Dallas was sending blitzes, and now listen, that's what Dan Quinn does, and they love to play man. I mean, they play the most man of anybody. But the ball was coming out like a little more lazy, was a little softer. So just as Richard said and what we saw, the receivers had to wait on the ball a little bit. When you have to do that, you're given a chance for the DB to be right there. Stephon Gilmore, by the way, had an excellent game, and they had great coverage anyway. But that part just seemed off. And the defense, I know they've had injuries to the secondary. I know they've had injuries to the linebacker position. But they are just getting burned down the field right now. And then when your three best players on offense, when you're driving and to try and get in the end zone, Jalen Hurts gets the ball stripped. A.J. Brown gets the ball stripped. Uh, Devontae Smith gets the ball stripped. Those are the three players on offense you caught on the most. And they were the ones that had bad turnovers at bad times against a team that's just better than them right now. And that just compounds it. And we haven't even mentioned the penalties that they got hit with as well. Dallas is just so on an arrow up right now and playing well. I guess that's the thing that actually gives me hope is this Philly loss didn't feel as bad as the 49ers loss because it came on the backs of rampant turnovers by your best offensive players because it involved so many penalties here. It didn't feel quite as damning as the 49ers loss in my mind. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York.
Man, before we get to an entire mic'd up Monday devoted to a very angry group of Kansas City Chiefs players and coaches after the game and the call that really have sent their season into an interesting point right now, I did just want to finish up with this about the Philadelphia Eagles last night because you mentioned how this loss felt being there in the stadium and seeing everything that went on. Watching it at home and and kind of comparing it to the loss last week, I don't know about you, Dad, it did not feel to me as bad as the loss to the 49ers. They got dominated by the 49ers in that game. In this game against Dallas, with three fumbles lost in this game, which is atypical for them, they're a middle-of-the-pack team in the NFL in terms of turnover margin, in terms of turnovers lost, that was surprising. The penalties in this game, they're not nearly as bad as their Dallas counterpart across the field, usually, who's one of the most penalized teams in football. The fact that it was their three best offensive weapons that turned the ball over at those critical junctures, and the things that did look healthier, right? Your defensive line looked back to being themselves so much so that Fletcher Cox and Jalen Carter comboed on the only touchdown scored for the Eagles on the night and then you look even the way they challenged Dak Prescott according to next gen stats Dak threw into a tight window pass on a season high 30.8 percent of attempts for 99 yards it was the most tight window passing yards by a quarterback in a game this season it wasn't like Sam Fran where they were running wide open so I look at all those things dad and say combine that with Dallas Goddard being back and I could feel better about the Eagles going forward now it's an easy portion of their schedule to finish off the season And if they don't get their personnel figured out in the back end, they're going to lose in the postseason to these teams. But I still didn't feel as bad as I think I should, even though it's Dallas week. Yeah, the problem, though, Mike, uh, with the offense is they just can't can't get the ball in the end zone. I mean, they had a couple of good drives and then they either stalled by the turnover or stalled by you know Dallas's defense or their own issues penalties against them and and it was field goals instead of touchdowns and you kept waiting kind of for them to turn it around they had a chance to get within one score before halftime and they were going to get the ball and that drive stalls and they only get a field goal and there's enough time on the clock for Dallas to go down and they score a touchdown so what could have been 17 to 10 ends up being 24 to 6 instead at halftime just too many mistakes on their part I'm with you they didn't get run like they did against San Francisco but they were definitely the worst team last night but you kept waiting for that one big play like they got, you know, when Fletcher Cox sacks and forces a fumble and, and Carter scoops it for the score. You were waiting for something like that on offense that just unfortunately for Philly never showed up. Never showed up last night. So we'll see if it does down again, a much easier stretch for them. But it's time to get to the other big story from yesterday in Miked Up Monday. Jesse, we know we got a lot of Chiefs complaining that we need to digest. Yeah, so Miked Up Monday presented by Wrangler. A little bit more actually today of Meltdown Monday uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that loss that came down to the wire there, it was not pretty on the podium. You know, it was a, it was a heck of a football game down to the end. Um, very disappointed that it ended the way it did and um, normally I'll get um, I I never use any of this as excuses but normally I get a warning before something like that happens in a big game Um, a bit embarrassing in the National Football League for that to take place Um, normally yeah normally uh, if if it's even close um, you get you get a warning the head coach gets a warning. I mean, that normally, so I don't know. I didn't have a protractor out there, but um, it's a bit embarrassing. 
That is as spicy as I feel like we've ever seen Andy Reid at the podium. Dad, you've known Andy for a long time well, and obviously a, a, a guy that we're all familiar with coaching in big-time plays in the most, multiple spots of this league. How surprised were you he teed off like this? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit. Now, they might be getting sick of just kind of how they're mounting up. Remember the Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, uh, interference against Green Bay that wasn't called late in the game. I mean, so I think it's been kind of adding up. But this one, I, I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out what he meant there. I mean, Kadarius Tony lined up offsides. I mean, it wasn't even yeah. close. Is Andy saying that the ref was supposed to tell Andy, hey, he's offsides? We're, we we don't know if Tony, as, as Richard Sherman said, did Tony look down at the ref? And if he did ask if he was onside, he's owed that. If he didn't, that's on him. I mean, you've got to line up on sides. He was offside. So whatever Kansas City and Andy was looking for from the rest and didn't get, they seemed to be pretty pretty disgusted at the fact that they didn't get it when it was their own guy that lined up offsides. I mean, you know what? They sure as hell don't do it when a defensive lineman is lined up offsides. Nobody's looking over to the side and the ref saying, hey, go like, back up a little bit. They're just, you know, throwing the flag. I do love the complete lack of empathy from defensive players on this one. Even though it's weird, I don't see nearly the advantage for an offensive player being lined up no. there because receivers have to go so far to be effective. But you are right in a world where defensive players have so much taken from them. It's not all that surprising. And I'm with you, Dad. We spend a lot of time in football trying to find areas where rules that are clearly supposed to be called and being violated shouldn't be called for some reason. No one wanted to see it affect that play. The end of the play, I mean, all-time play – Travis Kelsey catches the ball downfield, YOLOs it back to Kadarius Toney for what would have been the go-ahead score in another of horrific losses for the Buffalo Bills giving up leads in the fourth quarter. And so that compounds it so much so that you had Patrick Mahomes, who I think Jesse is going to be next up on our bites here, who was ticked off because he felt it affected the legacy of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, he was not pleased that, you know, regardless how you feel about that play, that once again... We're talking about the refs. I mean, it's I mean, obviously tough to swallow. Um, I mean, not, not only for, for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win. But as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, don't, it, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something. And that's elementary school we, we talk about. I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff. And, and it doesn't get called. And if it does, you, they warn you. And there was no warning throughout the entire game. Um, and then you wait till there's a minute left in the game to make a call like that. Um, it's, it's tough, man. It, it, I mean, it's lost for words, man. It's just it's tough because – Regardless if we win or lose, man, just just for the, the end with another game and we're talking about the refs, man. It's just not what we want for any, for the NFL and for football. He wants to be talking about Travis Kelsey's legendary career, not the refs. Guys, does feel does it feel like we do though have an officiating problem in the NFL? 
Well, we do, but it's the right message and the wrong messenger because, Dad, I think what we're seeing right now, if it hadn't already happened before, for a lot of people outside of Kansas City is kind of the turn that happened when the Golden State Warriors started doing a little bit too much winning and liking it a little too much. People stopped feeling sorry for you. And for Patrick Mahomes, who has been the poster of positive PR since he stepped into the NFL, who hardly ever complains about this stuff, who hardly ever leverages the power he has as currently the best football player in in our sport this moment here was met with a lot of wah wahs and people mocking him for the way that he acted there even though part of me does find it kind of endearing that he did this in a way that does divert attention away from one of his teammates the rest of us are going to come for Kadarius Tony a lot of people yeah. are going to criticize him and Mahomes and Reed are doing a phenomenal job of running interference for a guy that's going to have a pretty rough Monday Plus, there's a difference of a subjective call in the Green Bay game of pass interference down the field and a dude lining up offsides. Listen, in my game last night on one of the brotherly shoves, Landon Dickerson, he lined up. His hand was in the neutral zone, and they got called for offside, and it was the right call. That's the refs I mean, he lined up offsides. I mean, if you're looking to get out of that, I mean, and I get it, you're warned sometimes, especially if you look over, the rest should help you out. But, I mean, I, it, 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 just like you did with Richard Sherman and me as defensive players, it blows your mind. We never get the benefit of the doubt. Never. And now you're looking for, oh, you can't call that. Get a warning. Yeah, we broke the rules, but you shouldn't call it. Give me a friggin' break. I mean, come this on. Is, this is a broken Patrick Mahomes, though. This end of game broke him in a season where they've still fallen short of the standard, where the drops have been a problem and the penalties and all these things. He finally had to let out some frustration and is so wired to be a good teammate that he didn't want to do it to one of his guys. And so he took aim at the next closest person, the guy wearing the stripes next to him on the sideline, and decided to let all of it out in that moment. Gojo and Golik. The Shohei Otani sweepstakes has come to a close with a $700 million deal with the Dodgers. And we can all agree, including the baseball is dead guys, that $700 million is a lot of money. $700 million for Shohei Otani. He's a Dodger, Dallas. Welcome to He's Hollywood. A Dodger. Welcome oh to God. Hollywood. $700 million damn dollars. That is a bag. That's a bag's bag, baby. That mm. is a king's ransom. $700 million. The Dodgers went out and just signed an entire franchise. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? The best part about this is all the numbers getting thrown around. I mean, there's there's so many different layers to this, but just on the surface, when you're like, well, dude, best best pitchers in the game making 40 mil plus a year, right? Okay. All right. Best hitters in the game making 40 plus mil a year, right? Okay. So he's all a right. steal. So, so let's just, uh, what are we going to say? He's going to make $80 million a year? Huh? Really? And the Dodgers, <laughs> were, the Dodgers were like, you know what? Sounds good. Just sign the, sign the, sign the check. That sounds great. That is some boy math, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> the Dodgers are nation's premier boy mathematicians. 
Oh, it's it, it is a staggering amount of money. Like I'm glad we got that reaction back because this all happened in the midst of a Saturday where we're just sitting around gearing up for the Army Navy game. We got one college football game on to watch, some FCS postseason, and then wham, the most secret free agency that any of us can ever remember culminates in this one, Dad. An extension that is now the largest in baseball history by more than two hundred and fifty million dollars, walloping his former teammate Mike Trout's four hundred and twenty. $6 million extension. It also topped the $450 million deal signed by Mahomes to become the biggest in North American pro sports. And dad, this, his average annual salary of $70 million a year is going to be more than the 2023 opening day payrolls for the Baltimore Orioles and the Oakland Athletics. And I'll do you one further. The $700 million over the life of his deal is higher than the GDP of six countries. Six countries, he is now essentially worth more than on the life of this deal. It is an, un, even by our standards, we're so used to sports being this candy land of made up salaries and astronomical values. And this still smacked us all across the face. And we thought, you know, it was going to be a $600 million deal when he was going to hit and pitch and then get the surgery. He's not pitching at all next year. He's only batting, and we thought, oh, that could knock it down in the $500 million range. He's going to have to get by on that, and it ends up being $700 million. And listen, we both love Jeff Passan, who, who loves baseball and talks baseball. Jeff Passan started des describing how it wasn't really a $700 million deal, the way it's structured with tax for teams. And I, and I stopped reading. I'm like, Show he's getting $700 million. That's all that matters to me. I don't care how it deals with the Dodgers. He's getting $700 million. So you know what I like to do, Mike. I like to do my math as well. There's 162 games. If he plays in every game at $70 million, every game day he is would be making $432,000. He batted 497 times last year. If he were to do that again, every single time he steps to the plate, he would make $140,000 every time he stepped to the plate. It is stunning. And again, it goes to show what baseball and what sports are making that you can pay these guys. Because the one thing we know, and while owners will cry about it, they ain't losing money. You see what they bought these franchises for and what they'd sell them for and how much they have appreciated over the years and what they can make. So you're absolutely right about that. I, I am interested, though, Dad, what you think, because I saw a lot of people complaining about the other side of this, which is given all the money that's out there for certain franchises, how this looks, where so far you've got the two biggest moves of the offseason, Juan Soto going to the Yankees, and then the right. biggest free agent prize there was in Shohei Itani going to the Dodgers. This idea that once again, the biggest money makers and the biggest spenders in the sport are the ones that are just bundling together all of this talent. And if that's a net negative for everybody else, because I saw a lot of other people sort of bemoaning the fact that Shohei Itani now ends up with the Dodgers, surprise, surprise. I, I look at it and say for me as someone who's not a fan of one specific team this is all's well that ends well to get him away from an angels franchise that under their current ownership was not going to get him to the postseason and baseball deserves to see shohei Atani playing postseason baseball they deserve one of the stars from that uh, angels team to have a chance to be at a place where more people are going to see them but i can understand the frustration from others who look at the way the sport is structured and say that this is just for the rich to get richer 
Well, what? The, don't blame the team. Blame the game, right? Because in the NFL, you have a hard salary cap that you can't go over. There's no like luxury cap. Where in basketball, there's that cap. But if you and if you go over, you can pay a luxury tax. And if an owner has a lot of money and wants to pay it, they'll go over it. In you know, baseball, nobody has the hard cap like football, where it's even across the board, where there's a floor and there's a ceiling, and you have to stick to both. Baseball doesn't have that. So the game, what they've negotiated and what they're working on with their negotiations between teams and players is they don't have to deal with that. So, hey, more power. If you got the money and want to spend it, if there's a tax and you want to spend it like there is in basketball, then you'll spend it. So I, you kind of lose me with that argument when this is how the rules are set up. The Dodgers aren't doing anything wrong. The Yankees aren't doing anything wrong. Any team with money isn't doing anything wrong because you're allowed to spend it, and they are. Well, I, I guess I'm more looking at fans looking at baseball because I do believe they're one of the only sports without a salary floor too, a required amount right, that you have right. to spend in order to be up there. And so if I'm a fan looking at that, and especially a fan of a bad team in an era where, listen, post A's, we know money ball is always the word that's going to get thrown around. But right, right. I, I do imagine there's some frustration that even though, Dad, the other counter to this is baseball is a sport that rewards randomness and where one player's effect is probably as least felt as any in the major sports that we have in North America, where even if you've got a two-way star like Shohei Itani, it, the outcome and the results can only be so much because of the way the sport is structured. I do want to briefly, Dad, pour one out before we get too far away from this for Toronto Blue Jays fans. Oh, my god. Are gosh. y'all okay right now? Because we saw the report. John Morosi on sat- Friday or Saturday was the reporter that tweeted out that Shohei Atani was en route to Toronto. It began a whole day's worth of flight tracking that felt very college football coaching search-esque, Dad. And it ended with John Morosi having to post an apology. And I'd imagine going to hiding right now because of the way that he got Blue Jays fans all hot and bothered thinking they were going to be the ones to land the prize. Yeah, and it turned out to be one of the guys from Chargang, Herjavec, I think is how you pronounce his last name. It was him on the private plane going to going to Toronto that was mistaken by this gentleman for Shoei going to Toronto, which just set off bets, set off everything uh, for Toronto. And I get it because you're right. This is what we see with the college coaches. Uh, you know, play, Coach X was uh, is en route to X, you know, X team. You know, we've got the the flight pattern of the private jet. So you get it because we can do that nowadays. But to get it wrong on who the passenger was on such a big deal is just stunning. That is a big, big time error that, by the way, because of bets that were made for Toronto then to do what they were going to do, cost the people some money. I, I just can't imagine that dark, lonely feeling when it started to crystallize for him that, oh, my God, I've made a mistake. And oh. listen, for everyone else seeing that, we were all kind of thinking the same thing, which is, all right, we really want Shohei out of there, but Toronto? Toronto, like, damn. So this definitely, the end result to the Dodgers felt a little bit more box office. I feel for you, Blue Jays fans. It probably would have been fun if he was up there for you guys, too. But instead, this morning, while the rest of the baseball world, I don't know if everyone's celebrating. I think there is a lot of, all right, at least we got our large Japanese son out of that situation. Uh, For Toronto Blue Jays fans, there can only be sadness. So uh, thoughts and prayers to you guys. Uh, Go ahead and ice up this morning and hope (laughs) you all feel better. 
Um, but when we go from one prize to another, we mentioned this news broke on what was supposed to be one of the last college football Saturdays of the season. We also got some Heisman news yesterday, so let's celebrate Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, for taking home the prized award in college football next year on Gojo and Bullock. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, and a hearty congratulations, Dad. We had hardware handed out in college football this weekend, the college football awards that went on earlier that culminated the Heisman Trophy Saturday night going to, as expected, LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels, Dad. He finishes first in the voting, just ahead of Michael Penix Jr., followed by Bo Nix and then Marvin Harrison Jr., the other two, or the other three, I should say, that were all invited to New York for the final ceremony here. So, Dad, no real surprise on this one, right? Jaden Daniels, I know you didn't have a vote in this process, like me, but uh, if yeah. you did, I'd imagine it would have gone to the LSU quarterback. Yeah, I, I had talked a lot about, or we had discussed that, how much would the Penix, Bo Nix, Washington, Oregon matchup right before the voting have to be and go into this? Because when you look at their passing numbers, a lot of, they're, they're all pretty close. One leads in one, but the others aren't five, far behind, depending on yards, depending on touchdowns. But then you throw in his 1,100 yards on the ground and another, more double-digit touchdowns and rushing as well and just what he meant to that team remember going back when remember he was at Arizona State and played as a freshman and then transferred and remember the players they were throwing stuff out of his locker the ASU his former teammates saying this guy's trash anyway and I saw a split shot of the players doing that and then of him holding the Heisman Trophy saying he might have got the yeah. last laugh on this one winning winning the Heisman Trophy but what a talent he is. It will be interesting to see how that goes to the next level in, in an era in the NFL where that dual threat quarterback is such a big, big thing. Because still, we talk about his ability to run just about all his passing touchdowns were from the pocket. And we always talk about it, even if you can run and move around, you've got to be able to throw from the pocket. And that's where a high percentage of his touchdowns were from. So what, what it seems like a pretty banner year, at least – that's always what we say 
for quarterbacks coming out. We're all we're all ready to rip the group that already went to the NFL and bring in the next group and say, oh, my God, how highly rated is is Williams, is May, is Daniels. Shador Sanders, I think, is going to go back and other quarterbacks that are coming out. But what a magical year yet. Are you allowed now to say who you voted yes. for or are you? So what was what was your voting? Yeah, I, I always I, I put it out right after. I, I for anyone unaware, I inexplicably have a Heisman vote. I am forever thankful to the Heisman Trust for for some reason giving me a chance to influence this process. I, I had Jaden Daniels as my number one vote. You get three votes on there. I went Daniels and then Bo Nix for my second place vote and Michael Penix Jr. for the third place vote. And uh, Dad. I, I got a lot of pushback, understandably, from passionate Washington fans who wanted to argue on behalf of Michael Penix Jr., who is in the college football playoff, the only one of these four to be in that case, and also won the head-to-head matchups that he had against Bo Nix's Oregon right. teams, which I get. This would be my reminder to people, the quarterbacks do not play each other in those matchups. Washington beat Oregon twice. Michael Penix Jr. didn't beat Bo Nix twice. And while he had great plays in both games, you can look back in the first game and think, for the most part, Oregon at certain junctures, especially offensively, was able to do what they wanted. On the season, you mentioned some of the numbers there. While Michael Penix Jr. led the whole group in passing yards there, it wasn't by much. Bo Nix finished the season with 4,145 yards. Michael Penix Jr., 4,218. Bo Nix, 77% completion percent to Michael Penix Jr.'s 65.9. And Bo Nix accounted for 40 touchdowns and just three interceptions on the season. And that's just through the air. Six rushing touchdowns, too. And when I watched the game, Dad, the way I looked at a lot of this was... How much does your team benefit from everything you do? How much are you helping the rest of your group out there? A Heisman Trophy winner, an MVP to me, is supposed to make life easier for their teammates. And when you look at Bo Nix, and part of this, I will always say, is a bias that skews towards more mobile players, what he did getting out of sacks for that group. That's a good offensive line in front of him. Both him and uh, Michael Penix Jr. had good lines in front of them. What Bo Nix Jr. did getting his way out of harm's way, only five sacks given up on the year. Part of that's a quarterback stat. What he did pushing the ball down on the field especially on plays that were breaking script all of that to me lended it to a guy that just slightly I mean these are two incredible players both of them are great and in different ways I just thought at the end of the day when I watched Oregon I looked a little bit more at Bo Nix and a little bit less at the eye candy around him as opposed to a Washington team that shouldn't be penalized for having a ton of resources especially in that right, receiver right. room but when it comes down to the voting in this award and how close it was those are the kind of things to me that edge out yeah, and I mean, listen, LSU, they themselves had 2,000-yard receivers. And, yeah. you know, it, with Malik Neighbors being at the top of the, of, the, of the twosome there, incredible. So, you know, he had some good targets to throw to. Neighbors is going to be a high draft pick as well. I, I could see that. I, 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 let me put it this way. If Penix or Knicks won it, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't sit here and say, oh, my God, what an egregious thing that happened. But I certainly understand why why Jaden Daniels did win this thing. I get it. If you look at the top 10, the first non-quarterback that showed up was the guy in New York, Marvin Harrison Jr. He was fourth. Fifth was Jordan Travis, the, the quarterback from Florida State. Then Jalen Milrow from Alabama. Then Ali Gordon from Oklahoma State, a running back, uh, was there. And then who was it? Cody uh, Schrader, the running back from Missouri. Uh, was there and then you yeah. finished up uh, with a running back uh, Blake Corum from Michigan and then the quarterback from Michigan J.J. McCarthy so that's how the top 10 uh, went in this one but to me 
I think the most loaded, we could talk about the players there. To me, the best depth at an award, and I wonder if you would agree, was the Blitnikoff, where neighbors oh from God. LSU, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, and Odunzi from Washington were the three finalists. I don't know in another award that was given out if there was as much power, even at the Heisman in the quarterback position, than that position right there of those three guys. You're talking about three, because I think it's interesting you brought up the pro prospects of a lot of these guys. That Bolitnikov finalist group could all be first-round wide receivers. They are exceptional. Oh, yes. They're all very different players there. When you know, Because I agree with you. That is absolutely, in my mind, the best depth for an award. Maybe you could go to something like the Outland, where you know you had uh, Liatu Latu win the award out of UCLA. You had Joe Alt nominated, guys that'll be first-rounders. But, Dad, you compare it to the Heisman itself, and I think an interesting interesting thing happened in college football this season because Jaden Daniels sensational but the Heisman winner being on a team that had three losses is something we're not as used to lately usually it is best player on one of the playoff teams but this year it didn't necessarily shake out like that for us and I think a funny thing happened when Caleb Williams started to I shouldn't say Caleb Williams started to underperform when USC started to underperform and we had to talk about Caleb Williams in a different light is we sped up to draft season a little bit and the one thing that I've seen kind of crystallize now is at least at this point it feels like when it comes to the quarterbacks even though we had all this depth and all this experience in college football's quarterbacking this year it seems like it is very clear Caleb Williams and Drake May are going to be first round quarterbacks and I'm not sure if any of the rest of these guys would be if we did the draft tomorrow we might do what we always do in talk ourselves into a couple of them but if you're asking me to say what two what quarterbacks would you for sure take in the first round it would be those two and then the answers would probably stop i'm going to tell you right now mike i put the over under three and a half quarterbacks taken in the first round i take the over because you know what teams do teams always reach i think there's going to be three and i'll say four quarterbacks taken in the first round drake may's name just stopped being talked about right I mean, we, we didn't we talked about how Caleb Williams and USC started going downhill and Drake May and his team in North Carolina. We just basically stopped co- talking about because we had Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. doing what they were doing. And Drake May just going about his business because he is going to be the second quarterback taken. And, and, then, and then there was a lot of talk also about Shador Sanders. Still, we don't know if he's coming yep. uh, back or not. Again, I think he is. But with how well he had been playing outside of getting beat up in the pocket as well i yes i'll put it at i think four i think four of these quarterbacks are going to go in the first round in the in the draft i i will be very interested i i don't think so and i think after kenny pickett's draft class and seeing a lot of the names that we loved in college and thought were really productive quarterbacks and the way the nfl clearly viewed them you can look at will levis last year and the roller coaster of emotions we went to leading up to the draft for him albeit he wasn't nearly as productive as either bo Nix or michael Penix jr and Penix runs an nfl offense there's all these things that certainly lend themselves to that but i, I think it's going to be a long way to go from now until the draft Coming up next, though, let's get back to the NFL and talk about maybe the most impactful game of the weekend next. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.